0: So welcome back to our uh, podcast, uh, Ed Talks. I'm Father Dominic.
1: I'm Paul Manero. just drank some coffee. And, yes, you did. Poorly timed.
0: And we are joined today by uh, parishioner Vince Meadow. Welcome, Vince, to the podcast.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me. Why
0: don't you tell the people who you are, how long you've been in the parish, and yeah. Sure.
2: Uh, so family. family been in the parish for the past six years. Uh, moved here from the Lakeview neighborhood from St. Alphonsus Parish like a lot of young adults. Um, Yeah, I quickly got involved, and it's a big selling point is having two awesome guys like this (laughs) in the parish to to run cool events like Exodus 90, and that's really kind of where I hit the spark to get even more involved with St. Edward's, and it's been a a great journey so far, and I'm part of the Knights of Columbus Council here, as well as the Sons of St. Joseph, um, and obviously a school dad. (laughs)
0: And, um, and for technology, Lord, while it can be annoying, um, it also helps us to evangelize and catechize and share the good news that you've risen from the dead. So, Lord, we just ask you to bless our conversation today, bless Vince especially, and all the good work that he does uh, through his organization, and help all of us to just continue to live as you ask us to live. I ask Our Lady to intercede for us as we pray, Hail Mary. Full of grace, the, grace, the Lord is Lord with thee. thee. Blessed, blessed art
2: thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit, the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for that our that sinners that now at, now, at the, hour, the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady
0: of the New Evangelization.
2: Pray for us. Father,
0: the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Um, so, Vince, you were invited here because you do something awesome, not just as a father and a husband and a faithful Catholic, but and professionally do something awesome. So, who do you work for, and what what are
2: they about? Sure. Um, So by the time this podcast comes out, the name would be officially changed, but right now, as... So
0: is this like an exclusive? Yeah, it's a rebrand. Nice, all right. So
2: it's the organization called Midtown Educational Foundation, which will be changed to a very simple name of Midtown Metro Achievement Centers, and it's... That name change is very, very logical. It's very simple. It's because basically what we do. We operate two centers, our Midtown Achievement Center for Boys and our Metro Achievement Center for Girls. We do after-school programming for low-income 4th through 12th grade students in Chicago. And uh, that, obviously, in the school year, that's after school from September to May. And then in the summertime, it's um, a six-week program that usually goes from the middle of June to the end of July. And it's a mixture of academics, academics. So one-on-one tutoring all the way to like test prep and college prep. And then we do virtues. We have weekly character education classes. In the summertime, it's every day. We have individual attention, which is the one-on-one tutoring. And then we also have separate advisors who are mentors to the kids. And then finally, we have parent engagement, which we have a separate parent program where the parents can get educated and learn how to be a better parent, how to deal with their kids better, how to communicate on the same virtues that we're talking about with the kids in the different Tutoring and mentoring sessions in the character education classes. Um, so, yeah, that's all rolled into one nice little package, and we are based in uh, Wicker Park for our Boys Center, uh, West Loop, formerly Greek Town, for our Girls Center, and then our headquarters is the original Midtown Center location, in Little Italy.
1: Nice. And you were saying uh, you guys were, uh, you were in Greek Town today and lamenting the, the loss of the but, Greek. The loss
2: of the Greekness, yeah. We went to <laughs> Athena Restaurant to take one of our donors out for, for lunch, and it's one of the last vestiges of Greektown, where there's you know, only a couple shops that you know, clearly identify as Greek, and I think if you tell most of our families and try to give them directions of where we are located, we'll say, Greektown, and they'll be like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how long has uh, Midtown Metro Achievement Centers, yeah. how long have you been around? Since 1965, wow, oh, that's a lot. Long. longer than I was expecting.
2: Okay. Yeah, so going on 58 years. Uh, we were started by um, some volunteers from Opus Dei, um, some some gentlemen who wanted to to give back to the community. They wanted to do a corporate work of mercy in a big city, and they picked Chicago as that as that hub. Um, They're looking for a place to to found the organization and to where the center was going to be, and Little Italy was like a perfect little like. Um, perfect spot at that point of time because the Italian immigrant community was slowly starting to move out to the suburbs, like most of the trend of people when, the, when 290 came out. Um, then there's this little center called the Madonna Center, which was like this campus of this old uh, mansion, this old family that donated this property to this Italian center. And that center had been a, a hub for the community for both family and, and for youth development. And that place had pretty much gone into, you know, disuse. Oh, jeez. And so we are looking for a place to, to bring the program, and during that time period, all these, you know, Hispanic families were moving in now, replacing the Italian families, you know, African-American families were moving in. We had the Jane Addams Whole House near the UIC campus. You had all these project homes off of Roosevelt. So it was at the area of need that we definitely need to be in. Plus, there was, like, a park right across the street, Arago Park, where the Columbus statue used to be. Um... So yeah, this guy started in 1965. Two guys started it. None of them got paid for the first three years. Wow! Totally volunteer.
1: What uh, do you guys have a, a, a record of the number of young people that have passed through the centers? So it's
2: there? roughly around 27,000 since we started.
1: Holy moly. wow! That's great. Yeah. And you guys have any alumni that are work with the organization as mentors? or
2: yeah, definitely. So we have. Um, a lot of alumni that come back. It's, it's pretty nice. common that most of them come back to volunteer at some point, either as a, like a part-time employee during the summer or the school year. Many of them come back as summer advisors. Um, a lot of them come back as tutors, usually for like at least a year or two um, to kind of give back. And then we do have a lot of full-time staff that have been um, alums. Now, it's been a little bit of a turnover since the pandemic. We used to have a, probably majority of our staff were alums. Mm-hmm. Now it's only about a quarter of them are But we still have a lot of staff on board that are alums of the program. And actually the guy who's helping us with the rebrand campaign, Bernardo Gomez, he's a VP creative director at Edelman, a big PR and and, uh, agency downtown. He is actually a alum of our program as well.
1: That's amazing. Wow. That's cool. Now, what do you guys, um, when you say tutoring, do you go to the schools or do you stay in those three locations?
2: Yeah, we are we are center based. Center based. Okay, so, so people come to you. People come to us. Uh, it, it's kind of just our model. Mm-hmm. When they come to the center, it is a safe haven for them. Mm-hmm. Like when they walk in the door, there's like a rules come in. They kick in. We have everything from dress code to no cell phone usage policies to the way you're going to treat each other in the program and respect each other. Uh, even the boys like they have to take their hats off while they're in the building. It's almost like a Catholic school in some ways, and like in that like kind of strict Beautiful. mentality. Um, but yeah, it's. We want to teach them a virtuous lifestyle, and it starts from the time they walk in the door, and that's something we can't really do when we go someplace else, because it's not our turf, where we, we own and operate these centers, and they can experience that with us when they walk in the door. Is
0: there any cost for the families that participate in yeah. these programs?
2: So it's very nominal. Okay. Majority of the, of the, of the program is funded um, by our donors, so the actual fee that they pay for the school year is a flat fee of 275 for the entire school year. Wow. Um, weekly
1: so weekly tutoring
2: so get weekly tutoring comes out to if you if you broke it down to how many sessions a typical kid comes to comes out to a little bit less than $10 per session that they come to the center Wow. and it's a full academic enrichment thing so what they do is they get there they usually like will be on their own studying or playing with their friends in like a proctored environment then they go into a like physical fitness kind of thing where they either play sports or like do some other physical activity kind of get the energy moving and get some energy out for the boys mm-hmm. so they can actually learn Um, Then they go into like a snack time, and then finally they go into character education class, which usually lasts half an hour, uh, along with some uh, academic enrichment classes. And the last 90 minutes of the night is devoted strictly to that one-on-one tutoring.
1: That's a long...
2: Yeah, so many of the kids get there as early as four. The one thing that they have to be at is the tutoring part. So some of the the stuff in the very beginning is kind of like semi-optional. But the character education part and the tutoring part is mandatory. So that goes basically from like six to eight.
1: Cool, but like the fun stuff is optional. So like how yeah. do you get a lot of people yeah. show up like, oh man, I want to play basketball. That's right. Yeah. So I'll stay for the tutoring, but I get to play basketball.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's how the organization was founded. It was originally founded as a sports mentoring program. So just for seventh and eighth grade boys in the neighborhood, parents were really looking for a place, the an outlet for their kids to stay out of trouble, especially like the gangs were starting to rise. And that era and keep like, them off
0: the streets. Keep them off
2: the street in the summertime. They have nothing else to do. There's no there really wasn't many after school or summer programs at the time. And so it's like these kids who are the, the kids that really need the, the most help because we can save them. Mm-hmm. They're they're old enough to get into a lot of trouble, but they're young enough to still be you know, be impressionable, yeah. especially for mentors. So start off with sports, followed by one on one mentoring while they're you know, pull them outside in the field. And actually that's the same model that the Midtown Center for Boys still has to this day during the summertime. But as the year and years went on, parents were like, well, school year happened, what are we gonna do now? And then that's where the the academic aspect came into play and the academic tutoring came into play. And then parents were saying, well, what about the kid now he's out of middle school? What about he's in high school? You're gonna just leave him behind? So then we kept on going to high school. And then, hey, we have a little brother who could really use some help too. And so then we started the one-on-one program, which is the fourth through sixth grade program. We don't go below fourth grade because our model, because it has that one-on-one like tutoring and mentoring component, we found that below fourth grade you really can't get that long-term like mm. goal-setting effect until they're really at fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like the magic place where it starts.
0: So, can you talk more about the mentorship piece? Like, how, you know, I guess what does that look like, and how do you train the mentors to walk with these kids? Sure. Like, do they keep the same mentor for a long time?
2: Or? Good questions. So, uh, first, I think it's important to make a distinction between a tutor and, a, and, a, and okay. an advisor. So that's the official titles, especially in the school year. So, in the the tutors are like your academic tutors. So they can be everything from a. So the only qualification is to be at least eighteen years old. Um, if you're in college, you have to be actively attending college. We actually look at your transcripts, make sure that you actually have good grades. So, like kids that can talk the talk and walk the walk with the kids. Um, if you are, are out of college or older than that, like you have to have a college degree mm-hmm. um, to tutor. And then, uh, once again, we're trying to propel them, not that college is the only choice, but we want to make it to be like, you should at least have that as a backup plan no matter what. Mm-hmm. So that's those are the requirements for the tutors. Now, those tutors, they have some kind of background check that goes on. Uh, it's it's a light one where you just make sure that they've not committed any crimes, that they have no ethical like major ethical concerns but it's not as deep and we're not looking them for it to be like veteran mentors they're just looking to be like young good people that can help kids with their homework mm-hmm. right now they do end up serving as quasi mentors in many ways because they befriend the kids and maintain good relationships with them but for the most part they're focused on that academic support
1: and is that is that like a one-to-one tutor thing or so is it in the, in a the, small group
2: or? correct in the four through six grade program it is a one-to-one
1: oh, wow. setup oh, wow,
2: Okay. and most tutors, when you ask them, like, how long do you plan on being here? They will usually say, like, well, probably can only do this for, like, a year. It's a lot of commitment. But most of them end up saying, on average, three years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And there's a lot to do great. with the fact that they have a connection to their kid. Yeah. And they want to at least get them through, like, that phase of that sub-program that they're in. And then usually they'll drop off after that or, you know, serve on the junior board or something else like that. So that's the tutor part. Now, the advisor part is where that traditional kind of, like, mentor or counselor comes into play now those people are um tend to be a little bit older not old but like usually you're hitting like closer to 30s 40s 50 year olds that yeah, usually do that that's part. not old yeah exactly <laughs> not old. It's not old. You tell me that's old every time <laughs> he started with 30 <laughs> right i'm gonna start doing that too just... <laughs> but it's all relative right i mean even in my organization i don't think i'm very old i'm like 43 years old but in my organization i'm pretty old um <laughs> Definitely can tell it in the musical references whenever we're hanging out in the car. <laughs> but yeah, so in 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 relative fashion, yes, the the advisors are on the older spectrum of our volunteers, and that's meant for it's, so it's, so it's, it's, it's your tutors it's, or college
0: students. Correct. Yeah, I get that. A lot of
2: our tutors or college students are like young professionals just out of college. You know, many of them in their twenties. The advisors, many of them can be like in their twenties too. But what we're looking for is people who have like real-world wisdom, number one, you only can come with years. Number two, we need to have a well-formed individual. And that well-formation comes not only from living a virtuous and moralistic life, but also the spiritual side. That's another key component. This is where our Catholic and and moral-like background comes into play in our connection with Opus Dei, is that in order for you to be an advisor, we need to be confident that when you're sitting in those one-on-one intimate conversations with kids, that you will not be teaching against the... Catholic and moral social teachings that we strive to defend in our centers. Amen.
1: So you you guys are even if not explicitly even like not necessarily evangelizing. You're evangelizing yeah. through introducing a consistent virtuous path. Correct. You. That's awesome.
2: Like these things are universal stuff. Like you know virtues didn't come from Catholics. They came from Plato, Socrates. They came from like ancient Greece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we try to tell that all the time to, our, to a lot of families who come, in, oh, you're teaching those Catholic virtues, you know, you're trying to trick us with religion. We're not. Uh, in fact, religion is, is very much kind of almost, in many ways, like some families like it's like, why can't you guys just be more Catholic? You know, why can't yeah. you just be more overt about it? It's because we lead with the the virtuous life. We lead with character. We lead with good habits more than anything, which can make anyone a good person. And then if they want to go deeper and they want to do explore the spiritual side of things. We are available for that. But that usually doesn't start until, like, middle school. And we, it's, a very, it's a very, like, separate and precise conversation that we have with the families if that's something that they want. And it's not forced on them. We don't, like, try to, like, trick the kids. Like, yeah, maybe you should think about doing this. <laughs> um, it's something that usually happens, like, organically. That's, if that's the case.
1: And to your listener, if you are interested in learning about virtues... We did a whole series on the cardinal and theological we did? virtues. Is that last Lent? That was last Lent. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we were, we were hungry after <laughs> exodus. We hadn't had a beer in three months. It was yeah. A, so, I don't know how good it is. But, that, I mean, I,
0: it's, it's excellent if we did it. <laughs> I, it's great, though, that you lead with the virtues. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just only going to help the men and women, yes, become good humans... But also, that's just going to help them stick to their studies and their, their schoolwork, correct and sure you you, 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 to be the you, best version of themselves.
2: Right. You saying "good humans" is like reminds you of like a, a common thing. I don't know if I'm getting this perfectly right, but a former um, college orientation program, so our, our high school program, 9 to twelfth grade program at our Metro Achievement Center, Emily Warpinski, she would always say something to the effect of like, "What's the point of your kids getting all these amazing grades, getting the best college, if they're horrible people?"
1: Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's right. And if you pursue the virtuous life honestly and sincerely you will end up a Christian you will end, you will end up in the mm-hmm. church correct um, because you can't li- live a life pursuing those things the truth the beauty the goodness of a virtuous life if you're doing it honestly you will be drawn at some to some real degree to the sacraments cuz God is the author yeah he's the yes. author of of the virtuous life it's true the idea of creating a space that's set apart mm-hmm. for this, because like I, you know, I was curious if you went into the schools, but like you said, there is a culture that's well established, and the expectations are there already, and it could they could be negative, they could be destructive, damaging, but whatever it could be positive. But whatever they are, they're outside of your control. You guys can't form the culture of a, of a school, but you can form the culture of the spaces where you invite these kids into these young people and their parents right. and stuff. Super smart.
2: Yeah, and our, our centers are it's very similar to, like, an Opus day center. Our centers are intentionally designed with, like, first and foremost, one of the, the key things that sets us apart from any after-school program or any, like, education program out there that kind of does similar work in the secular world is we have chapels nice. in our centers. So. Uh, we have beautiful chapels so when kids come up into the program you know many of them will go up to the chapel first and they'll genuflect if they're catholic if they're not many of them just will just go up there just to get some peace and quiet and just to reflect because they may not be like uber religious or overtly religious but they know that there's something there and they know that there's something they can at least think about and pray about and you know um just have that kind of safe haven just to be like calm is the um, Blessed
1: Sacrament repose in the tabernacle in your shop We do, yes. Wow, that's awesome.
2: So, uh, And that's a nice thing, too, is that our, to backtrack a little bit, I know we kind of hinted on the Opus Dei connection. So our, our our organization was founded by Opus Dei volunteers. However, it is a secular organization, so it's a 501c3 nonprofit. We're um, public in almost everything that we do except for, like, that adherence to the the all of our values and our mission and everything and our vision is, is formed by that foundation of Catholic and moral social teachings. So we try to maintain that. And our partnership with Opus Dei is more of like a spiritual formation thing. So as long as we, um, you know, they don't run us, they don't give us any, you know, direction, there's no executive leadership that, you know, comes down and says, you guys need to do this this way. They're more of like a spiritual guidance. Like, you know, if we start going off track, if there's a donor that we're thinking about, um, vetting and saying hey we're thinking about getting some money from them they want to make sure that you know is does that business align with the values and They're making money a good way yeah exactly <laughs> so that's, that's where they come into play and then also in maintaining our chapels and so we actually do have a chaplain um, you know kids are more than welcome during the summertime and in the school year to attend mass to receive their you know if they have already received a Sacrament of reconciliation they can, they can go to confession before they go to awesome. their tutoring session or during their tutoring session that's great um, they can they can speak with the priest, they can just say, hey, I, I know I have a uh, a scheduled meeting with my advisor, but today I actually would prefer to talk to the priest today. That's totally doable.
0: That's cool.
1: That's so cool, man. Now, how
0: did you get, how did you find yourself here? Was it just a job you applied for? Did you volunteer with them when you were younger?
2: Yeah, so it's an interesting story in the sense that I, I, I'm not sure if you remember this, but when I first moved to the parish, I was a stay-at-home dad, so I had just quit my job I for... that. Quit my job for 12 years, at long hair. It was just like, you know, it's like, yeah, this is, uh, I, I needed to, like, think about what I want to do, and I met my next move. I wasn't sure, so my, my wife was very supportive of, you know, saying, hey, you're going to be saving us a ton of money by taking care of Grace at home, and I just want you to be able to, like, you know, utilize your potential. Cool. So, as I was exploring careers, I had two separate friends that sent me emails that said, Hey, you should check this job out, this this nonprofit. Wow. And independently of each other. Yeah. And then as I was started to become curious about it, I started realizing that there's all these connection points in my in my personal network. Uh, my friend Chris Saletta, who was part of my Knights of Columbus Council that I managed in Assumption, him and another guy Matt Georgopoulos, were like, you know, like longtime volunteers at Midtown. Um, Chris was on like the advancement council. My friend Lou, I found out actually worked at, you know, the fundraising side of the of the of the office. Just all these things kind of kept on coming into play, and then I got a, two separate job offers—one with like a commercial real estate company, and one with with this place—and like just everything just kept on calling me to like this, like something about this was the right place, and it and actually ended up being perfect because that commercial real estate company—I don't think they're doing too well nowadays. So fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's that's the story of how I started. And I started on March ninth of twenty twenty, so like the week of the pandemic. Wow! And then so March thirteenth, we hit the. That yeah. shut wow. down, and oh, my goodness. so the good thing about that is it went quickly from this onboarding process to, hey, Vince actually has like legitimate like PR skills and marketing skills, and like has managed people before. Like we should like le- like lean on him to like try to help us adapt to this like virtual, this virtual world and virtual recruiting and marketing world. So
1: it was March thirteenth. That was that's yeah, my dad's March birthday. 13th. Yeah, it's that was the day. That's the Friday. It's also Will Clark's birthday. <laughs> former first baseman of the San Francisco Giants. I
2: I loved his batting stance. Oh, that's how yeah. I used to bat when I was a kid. Yeah, too.
1: I used to, I got my dad one year a poster of Will Clark, and it said "Happy Will the Thrill Day," Will yes. Clark, because it was you know, his oh, birthday. Yeah. Good son.
2: Anyway, the good son you were.
1: Well, rubbing it in that I thought my hero was Will Clark, not my dad. <laughs> anyway, but I'm sure that's not what you're uh, raising the mentors to to do. But this is like it's super cool. What about if somebody wants to become a mentor? are a, a tutor in this. What what kind of time commitment does it take? You talked a little bit about the application process for you, but I'm sure there's other organizations. But, like, let's say for Midtown. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I'm listening. Go, that, that, I want to do that. What do they do?
2: Uh, simple. So there's an application online. So if you go to our website, midtown-metro.org, forward slash volunteer, or just use a... Has <laughs> uh, that
0: changed when you rebrand?
2: No, it's the okay. same. That's actually one of the convenient things, is that it's, it was already like that. Um, so... You can fill out a volunteer application. You can just also call our centers, just Google Map um, or search online just for our numbers. And just trust me, if you call up our centers, someone answers the phone and says, hey, I'm thinking about volunteering. We are going to take that call. <laughs> Good. And we're going we're to – because we're always looking for volunteers. That's, that's the name of the game because the fact of the matter is that volunteering, it's just – it's a constant turnover, right? Do,
1: um, we have, do we have a volunteer here in this house? Yes, we do. Oh, oh.
2: We have a former volunteer over there behind <laughs> camera. Nice. Val. Valerie Rizzo. <laughs> so Val, how'd you get involved in volunteering?
1: Like you just look downstairs and you're like that looks cool. What's going on? <laughs> that looks in. fun. I want in.
2: it works in mysterious ways. Yeah, um, That's so yeah, you you, you apply online and you you do just like our student uh, applications. You always have to come in for an interview. We always want to make sure that like it's a good fit on both sides. Um, so you come for the interview. We are going to do a basic background check. We're going to give you the entire spiel about our organization, our mission and vision. We're going to definitely talk to you about those Catholic and moral social teachings. We don't expect that you're going to, like, believe in everything. We have a lot of people who volunteer for us who are, like, you know, just straight up not religious or Muslim or, you know, some other religion. And just say, listen, that's not the, the biggest part that they're doing as a tutor is not evangelizing. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about the Bible. No, it's not a catechesis class. It is, in fact, just academic tutoring. You're helping a low-income kid have a better shot at a better life for themselves in the future. That's the That's the biggest part of it. But – At the same time, we need to make sure that you are very much aware of our statement of values, what we believe in, and you need to be at least, like, be able to respect that. That's all.
1: Not contradict it. Not contradict. And if I'm a gentleman and I'm showing up and I don't have a pocket square… <laughs> like, do i have a shot
2: you have a shot totally up oh, a, a lot of, we have a lot of guys come up to to interview these days with just like you know Jim shorts and a t-shirt sort really
1: respect cool. the heck out of that pocket square you no know, vince uh his he wore a bow tie a real bow tie to the well of mercy fun Rick gala and he inspired like me. like a real bow
0: tie like you tie it yourself yeah, that I tied it, myself, I yeah. it looked awesome Good for
1: you he inspired me so for christmas Whitney got me a Two of them, and I now know how to tie a bow tie. And this
2: guy looks really good in a bow tie. Oh, well, oh, nice. I was
1: inspired by your yeah. your dapper uh, appearance there at that gala. Thank you. Now, another great podcast, dear listener, is all about the Well of Mercy. We had yeah, great great, great, great. When I work. was in high
0: school and early college, I loved wearing ties, uh, and I always wanted to get to the bow tie stage. But then I
2: entered seminary. It's not Never as had to wear a tie again.
1: It's not as hard as I thought it would be if you get a good once tutorial, you get it. Once you get it, yeah. 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 Anyway.
2: But to answer your other question about the, the volunteer, the time commitment itself, so during the school year, we go from the end of September through the first week of May. It's not every single week because there are like holiday weeks in there. There's obviously Christmas break. So from basically like the second week of December to the end of January, there's a huge break where we don't have program. Uh, we also have spring break. So really, what it comes down to is roughly around 20 something, 20 plus sessions that you'll actually volunteer throughout the year. Um it is a two hour commitment though, because the the tutors have to get there by six o'clock because there's like pre-training. Mm-hmm. So what we do is you basically want to make sure that you know, most of the tutors that come in don't aren't, aren't professional tutors. Most of them have never tutored in their life before. And all they they know their subject matter. We have to also teach them like how to interact with the boys. What happens if a boy comes in and is like, Hey, let's talk about your homework they're like, No. <laughs> it like,
1: you know, happens. It happens a ton. Yeah. yeah.
2: Or like, you know, kids having a bad day, or maybe they come in and they're like I can't even concentrate on my homework. Why? Because I haven't eaten anything. Or mm. because, you know, my grandma died or, like, something bad happened at home. Like, you have to be able to understand how to deal with those situations as well. Mm. Not to mention, also, the tutoring aspect. We have the software called Renaissance that kind of helps guide the tutors. So they have, like, a really, like like, nice curriculum. It shows, like, the students' assessment scores, which they take at the very beginning of the year to show where they actually are when sure. it comes to math, English, language arts, and science. And so they can kind of, like, help... It gives them, like, tips on, like, different exercises they can do. If they, where they can improve. Where they can improve, yeah. yeah. So all that, that half an hour before every single session is, like, a little bit of professional development for them. Yeah. And then from basically 6.30 to 8 is just straight up that tutoring session. So two hours, about 20 times a year. So it's a lot of hours. But if you talk to anybody who's been a tutor of our program, it's that whole double-sided reward system. They come in thinking, like, oh, I just want to give, I'm to give back to somebody. But in the end, they end up getting just as much value to themselves because, you know, we like to say, whether it be a tutor or a mentor, um, giving someone advice helps to turn a mirror on yourself mm-hmm. because kids will, like, ask you certain questions or they will ask, like, what should I do about this? And you give them an answer what they should be doing, and then you realize, do I actually do that? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I don't. Maybe I should be doing a better job. And it encourage you, encourages you to try to live your life better, mm-hmm. to be a better example that you have more integrity. To be a better mentor for them.
1: That's beautiful. Well, we've learned a lot.
0: And it's our our goal to keep bringing on other parishioners and other people from around the Archdiocese for this season of Ed Talks. So keep uh, following us, subscribe, share, comment, and uh, help us evangelize. I'm Father Dominic. I'm Paul Mannerick. I'm Vince Meadow. And this is Ed Talks, where we hope to inspire saints who inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen.